Good morning, radio friends. I am broadcasting from planet Earth with respect and love for all our indigenous communities. I'm listening to an episode of a podcast right now. It's a podcast from April 7th, 2019 with Rachel Enstad and Dr. Wen Lawson, autistic advocate and author of over 20 books where they discuss autistic parenting, overcommitment and projects, advantages to aging as an autistic, his experience transitioning to being a man at age 61, his love of birds and the art of saying, oh well. I am at some point in the middle of this episode and my brain has flourished into gardens and permaculture wildernesses It's a delightful experience, and I'm going to verbalize it. What I believe Dr. Lawson just said, conversation between the two of them, brain having some challenge sorting it out, for this recording, but I'll tell you what happened for me. The two of them are talking and all of a sudden what they're talking about is autistic people aging, having advantages because of their already increased neuroplasticity. That says so many things to me and I struggle to list them, but it's very, it's a very big feeling in my body. Thank you to Rachel and thank you to Dr. Lawson. I'm gonna say more about it in a minute. I feel astonished. Very soon I will be placing links that you can find by navigating to t.me slash intuitive emergent slash 979. Part of this is that my life has been saved in so many ways that have directly to do with me being aware that I can leverage my increased neuroplasticity. And there's a lot going through my head about that, most of which I am still, I am still working out how I want to make words for for instance, the exposure to environmental contaminants and feeling the experience that I have of meeting these environmental contaminants in my environment and the changes that happen to my body as a result and the, the, the problems, the difficulties that I have to overcome and the ways that I overcome them the ways that my brain can move much, much more fast and much more agile to solve certain kinds of problems that people who don't consider themselves disabled, people who, who are not uh, said to be autistic people, they, they're, they're in the mainstream, they're doing things that, that it is said I cannot do because of my disabilities. They're, they're doing all these mainstream things that I would like access to and it, 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 it's like there are things I can't do but then, but then there are these circumstances where my brain is able to operate much better than, than those people's brains in a variety of circumstances uh, that generally aren't recognized and we need to talk about the social model of disability and, and there's a lot to go on about there. But what I have been struggling to communicate for a really long time without much of a sense of when I'm getting through. Sometimes I definitely am, but most of the time it seems that I'm saying things that nobody has a, nobody, nobody, the people don't have a frame for what I'm talking about if they haven't spent time delving into neuroplasticity research and having their own personal extreme initiations through saving your own life by, 
by leveraging increased neuroplasticity. I'm sure that there are other people talking about this and similar kinds of things. I would really like to find them and it's very, it's very nourishing for me to have found this piece in this interview by Rachel Anstad with Dr. Wen Lawson. I grabbed my phone to make audio in these moments of this explosion of nourishment and connectivity and awakening neurological pathways. And I don't know yet what that means and I can't organize the details for you neatly yet. Oh wow, though, what a good feeling. Please listen to Rachel's podcast. It's a great podcast. You can navigate to t.me slash intuitive emergent slash 979 or you can search this podcast entitled Actually Autistic with a beautiful rainbow image uh, on your favorite podcast distributor. I use Pocket Casts currently. And this is other places also. You can go directly to Rachel's website by navigating to actuallyautistic.home.blog. Please also follow Rachel Anstad on Twitter at Violet Eglantine. The link I will also include at t.me slash intuitive emergent slash 979. I have medicinal foods here that are for me to eat before they cool down too much for my digestion to benefit. And after I do that, we've got content from the last few days at least and longer people have been sending me pieces to add to podcasts and our radio stream which you can find if you're not there already by navigating to intuitive.pub slash radio stream wow some amazing things are happening we are hard at work joyfully. Thank you for listening. Okay, hello. I've eaten. I need to find an interlude to go just before this message. Let's see if that happens. All right, so we now have a progression of interesting conversations from the last few days. First, these similarities that we're noticing between the experiences in the ME-CFS millions missing communities and in autistic communities, which I'm pretty sure we can also find instances of similar similarities in lots of other places. And if you think of any in particular, I think I'm already thinking of a few more, you can email us on the air, public at intuitive.pub, or you can email me privately, max at intuitive.pub. The first one is, is the only one I'll read from on the air. If you email me privately, that is between you and me. I'm very interested in these similarities and what we got to discussing after that was air quality. And of course, a, a great part of my experience as an autistic person has been sorting out, well, these three categories at least, what are the traits of my autism? 
what are the traits of my trauma having been traumatized as an autistic person? What are the traits that are symptoms of my body having experiences as a result of environmental contaminants? All of the ways that toxins in our environments change us. And sorting out which of those three categories any particular sensing or experience falls into has been a very complex and challenging and intriguing and rewarding journey for me. So one of the places that this leads for me and, and uh, quite a few others is to the effects that we are experiencing from our environment that are keeping us from being allowed to live and be and connect with our community and be in service to others in the ways that are most natural and healing for us and healing for others to be in contact with us. Whether that is someone who's autistic, who, who operates differently, who, who, who needs different things and expresses themselves in different ways, or if it is someone who has a variety of other things that make them unique or creative or, or experiences they've had. Uh, people have traumatic experiences that completely change the way they move in the world. And if we respect what people need, then, for instance, autistic people don't have to be traumatized in addition to being autistic. And there are so many people with, with many other kinds of disabilities and severe disabilities who could be contributing to their communities, who could be building solutions for the problems we're facing. And one of the things that's missing from that greater conversation in, in public, in the mainstream, is that we are all being affected to some degree by environmental contaminants, by pollutions, by uh, compromises in air quality, by building materials that are not regulated the way that we think that they are um, by, by products on the shelves that are still being sold, even though the people who ran those projects, marketing and policy writing, went to jail. But the companies still sell those things on the shelves because people don't know about it necessarily. And all of us with, with many different kinds of disabilities, and if, if we are not disabled, many different kinds of challenges in our lives, many different kinds of hardships that we are all experiencing, we're trying to navigate how do we make sure that we are buying something or supporting an effort or supporting a company that is working to stop poison from being put into our products and environment, uh, in, into our bodies. Everybody has started to recognize that it's safe to spend money certain ways, but it's not safe to spend money other ways. And it's hard to tell when you're being marketed to, when, when someone wants to convince you of something. It's hard to tell whether what they're hawking is going to be something that, that, that helps or harms you. One of the things that, that we come to focus on pretty much every day because we must, is what happens when you're navigating that, that, that string of experiences in your life where something helps you or something harms you and you choose whether to spend your money and you choose whether to trust these words or that picture or this person in front of you. We are all looking for solutions in urgency and it's difficult to anticipate or prevent the, the, sudden, the sudden precipice that can happen for anyone in a variety of ways where there's no support there, there's no help to be had, no one responds to your requests, even 
increasingly urgent demands. If you have found yourself in this situation, it, it's, it's terribly traumatizing. And if you've gotten out of it again, maybe you forgot about how traumatizing it was because that's what we do. And there is a very interesting set of conversations about how do we help one another when things really have gone very, very bad? How do people come back from the precipice? Even having gone over the precipice, what happens to people after that? It's sort of like, what happens when we die? We don't know. We're just, we're just terrified of the whole idea. What happens when you encounter so much hardship that you are separated from, from everything that you knew and trusted about your life? What happens to you? We are investigating that very closely, very intimately. We are investigating in our lives. How do we solve problems after that point? Are we dead? Are we nothing? Are we, are we, it's, it's a, it's, it's over. It's a lost cause. It's over. Many people treat it that way. We have found ourselves to continue to still be alive. So we're problem solving and we're broadcasting it to this intuitive public radio. And there's something about all of this that is about sharing with one another and noticing similarities like earlier. And uh, in a moment, there will be more of that. We connect to one another and we believe that our problems and challenges have solutions and nourishments that, that ease what we're experiencing and allow us to learn more quickly and allow us to be kind to one another more frequently and allow us all together to meet so many more of our needs and be thriving instead of surviving. We have some additional content in the radio zine for the last two days, May 25th and today, May 26th. Today, I added portals that you can click if you're using Telegram Messenger with us. We have, uh, they are located at, I will tell you exactly where, t.me slash intuitive public radio slash 2327 is the first of these two channel portals. The first one is the jobs broadcast channel that we've created with intuitive PR. You can find it in its original place at t.me slash intuitive inc inc slash 39 t.me slash intuitive inc slash 39. There is a link there where you can browse and subscribe and below that we have a new broadcast channel located at t.me slash intuitive inc with a c slash 74 called hard work and handouts where we're starting to develop content about how we encourage one another and how we help one another. We feel like we're just starting to talk about this and we also have been recognizing in various conversations that that's not really the case. So many of our existing public mainstream conversations are about hard work and handouts, are about how, to what extent must we be self-reliant and overcome our limitations, and to what extent do we need to help one another in order to continue surviving. There's the every man for himself thing and a lot, lots, of, lots of other things. So this is a very new broadcast channel and you are all invited. You can visit it by visiting that link, Intuitive Inc. with a C for income and incubator. T.me slash Intuitive Inc. slash 74 is hard work and handouts, which I'm looking forward to talking about more. This from Ought Sensing Intuitive Social Meditations, Intuitive Emergent, and this Intuitive Public Radio, which you can find to join and consider at 
bit.ly slash intuitiveemergent slash 792. Hi there. So similarities are noticeable traits of ABA for autistic people alongside graded exercise therapy for people with ME-CFS. Discuss. Chad and Christopher, the musics, music with a K on Twitter, write, autistic people with comorbid epilepsy, intellectually disabled autistic people, nonverbal autistic people, working autistic people, non-working autistic people. It doesn't matter what group of autistic people speaks up. If we can make our opinion known, we're told to shut up. It's almost like the people pushing ABA as a treatment for autism don't actually want to hear from autistic people. Here's one immediate similarity. The people pushing GET don't seem to want to hear from the patients that are begging them to stop offering harm instead of healing. You are listening to this intuitive public radio and our conversation, which is happening at t.me slash airqualityowl. You can also visit airqualityowl at airqualityowl.com, a site that is evolving to support people sharing important information about air pollution. One thing I'm finding is that the term environmental refugee or climate refugee seems to be used primarily to describe weather, like storms, tsunamis, uh, floods, all of that. So that's what they're talking about generally with talking about climate refugees. In trying to search for air pollution refugees or pollution refugees, um, I've just found a couple of references, no organizations, just it's essentially people who have the money or resources or capacity to relocate because the air pollution is too bad where they live. And even that seems to be kind of rare and the so far, what I found is just uh, regarding India and China, um, where there's like terrible smog. And I'm sure there are examples of other places with extreme air quality problems where even healthy people who aren't particularly vulnerable to pollution are sick all the time. And I guess people in these places just live with that but some people flee but what about the most vulnerable people people who are most impacted people with mast cell activation syndrome or other uh, all, all kinds of other things uh, COPD chronic obstructive pulmonary disease uh, perhaps brought on from air pollution living in air pollution for for a lifetime. Uh, I don't know, there's a missing piece here, that's for sure. It occurs to me that there's a much closer analog in regards to people who live in places where the, the groundwater, the land, and the air through spraying, um, the, there, there's poison coming from local industries that are misleading these communities about the safety of what's being released into the environment. Um, uh, one of those things, and I don't have the names in available neurological pathways right this moment, but we can find them. The man and woman that talked to Eric Francis Coppolino on an episode of Planet Waves referring to I don't think he was calling it the poison papers. He was calling it something else. And I don't remember what he called it. I'm pretty sure the episode is posted at Intuitive Public Radio on 
medium that somewhere in the middle of those posts, there aren't very many of them, there is an image of, there's an image of, it's like a multicolored art page with um, text, written text about the the keywords in the episode. I wrote, I wrote down things from, from, I think there were two separate episodes specifically that I made art while I was listening to them. And those are up on medium.com slash intuitive dash public dash radio. I, I think that's right. I might be wrong. We might have intuitive public radio, all one word at medium.com. It's one or the other. But she was describing the land being poisoned and her family getting sick in a number of ways. And that's a very close analog to what is happening. It is, it is industries locally. It's different industries than, than more people are necessarily aware of, but it's a common theme. I would really like to find, oh, I would like to find, I would like to find those episodes and perhaps we can send a note asking to include them in some way. I would at least like to find this woman's name. She and they did some large raft of reporting on the subject and they could tell us where to look. I would sort of guess. I am about at minute 26 in this episode listening to Dr. Wen Lawson talk with Rachel about now they're discussing creating living spaces for aging autistics. And autistics have many, uh, I don't know how we want to say, overlapping conditions. They're talking about high incidence of autoimmune conditions in the autistic community. And so as soon as we're talking about living spaces uh, for, for people who are elderly, for people who have sensory challenges, for people who have chiefly the need to be listened to, which is what Dr. Wen just said. I appreciate this episode very much. There is a link to it once again at t.me slash intuitive emergent slash 979. It is a relief to hear people talking about these things. When I was in greatest, most terrible adversity this intuitive public radio is what I needed. And there's a lot of trauma relief for me in getting these pieces into place and realizing that we have what it was I was longing for and trying to build. We have it and we can use it and it's saving our lives every day. As Rachel's podcast is greatly contributing to saving mine. Thank you to everyone that shares themselves in the world. How else could we find one another? Okay, I think this thing is working. Yes, I'm still getting used to this technology, but um, hello, this is the Empress of the North in, um, I believe, the third broadcast of um, what I hope to be um, a huge network of people. Um, these people at Intuitive Public Radio really have a good sense of what we're lacking in our communication with each other. And, you know, it's run by people that are dying, like literally we're dying. And all of us, I, 
I can't speak for everyone, but it feels like at times you're drowning in a pool and there's just tons of people standing around you and they're watching you drown and you're screaming for help and they don't do anything. They just watch you drown. That's what it feels like for me. And it's okay. Um, if you listen to previous broadcasts, um, I took a vow uh, about 20 years ago. I haven't done the math yet, but um, but it was a it was a, a serious vow to uh, be of service to humanity in some way, and it's a calling that lots of people have. We're not that special. I'm really not that smart. I just listen to people, and I collect their stories, and I integrate what they teach me into this philosophy that. Um, you know, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> so I just talk to people. That's what I like to do. I'm a pilgrim. I like to talk to people. And today I want to talk about pain. And I don't want to just talk about pain because I just had a colonoscopy this morning. I want to talk about the pain of having to hitchhike down your road to go to surgery because they took your car away and they took your money away and you can't find any help or any services no matter how hard you tried and I've been doing this for a couple of years now and and it's been really disappointing um, as somebody who used to work in the field of psychiatry psychology um, we I started out wanting to help people and I look around me and I see how much psychology has really hurt a lot of us and but then I start thinking, you know, it's not psychology's fault. I mean, these people need jobs. I understand that. It's really hard to get jobs after after college with a degree in psychology. I can attest to that. Um, but it's it's like, how do I describe it? So pain is universal. It's the one thing that we all share. We've all lost things. We've lost people. We've lost friendships. Um, we've been betrayed by people and things and institutions that that we thought were doing us solids and <laughs> and helping us and you know you come to find that it's not true so I've, I've kind of been on this journey of becoming disabled newly disabled from my occupation and having to go from a $70,000 a year job to nothing um, I got my disability cut after 13 months by this stupid Lincoln Financial. And you know, it, like I could understand if there were legitimate concerns, but, but what they're saying is that I can go back to work for the railroad with no cartilage in my knee and four herniated discs and nerve impingement. And I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this like publicly. I don't care anymore because believe me, the, the system of justice, um, you could go through and, and I encourage you know, journalists, authors, anyone who's interested to go through the, the massive amounts of documentation on me and what I've been through, both through being a whistleblower for the railroad and as a, a litigant in family court, I have a lot to say about that. But I'm talking about pain. That's what I'm trying to talk about. And I am going to get to that. So it, I think about these things that happened to me and, and the people that the, just hundreds of people who have said, I'm so sorry, but you just don't qualify for our services. And, and I wonder, like, you know, what are these institutions doing? Like, who are they serving? If I have zero income for 13 months and I have to wait two years for my railroad disability to kick in for some reason, which I don't know why I can't just hire more people, right? I mean, I, the things that we have put up with for so long, um, I don't know if it's because I haven't really paid attention to TV um, I haven't really been like through the whole like brainwashing <laughs> aspect of it, but I definitely see a change in people and, and from walking across America for, what was it, 18 months, um, and really seeing the kindness in strangers everywhere I went, like people were so awesome. Like, I don't think I could do that anymore. I think that some jerk is going to like troll me <laughs> in social media and then somebody's going to come out and shoot me. Like that's what we've become. And I've never had that fear before. And I've just been racking my brain trying to figure out how how can we fix this? Cause we can fix this. You know, I'm hoping to get into the field of sociology. I got turned down for grad school, but um, the GRE is really stupid. That's another podcast we'll talk about. <laughs> but I try to look at these things as an opportunity. And I see all these people on social media and I really hope that you follow 
um, hashtag CPP, what is it, pain patients vote. I try to get pain two going, nobody's into it. Um, there's, you know, this core group of people, just hardcore people who are dying of these horrible diseases I've never even heard of, CRPS. Oh, you should look that up. And you should ask yourself, like, how could we as a society force these people to spend their lives in agony every waking moment, you know, if they can sleep, which, you know, people like us, me included, we can't sleep. Our lives have been upended. We can't do anything that we love to do anymore. Our friends leave us. Our family gets sick of us. You know, we feel like a burden on society. And it's tough. It's really tough. But I would see these other people that have been hanging in there for years. And I just started this like five months ago. Um, never thought that that pain would be <laughs> something that I would be doing activism around. But then I just I think about it. And it's like, you know, this is everything. It's the pain in our soul. How many opportunities do we have in life now to help people? Like just in our community, in our neighborhood. I look around at my neighbors. They see the ambulances. They see the the sheriffs coming and not a single one has come over and asked me how I was doing. And, you know, it's cool. I'm I'm the litmus test. You know, I, I can see now what the problems are and I know how to solve it. Like we all know how to solve these problems. We need to take care of each other. So if you're listening to a podcast like this, or anybody who, you know, maybe is in pain, maybe going through a hard time. Our stories are fascinating. It's way more interesting than TV, um, with the exception of maybe <laughs> Stranger Things. I'm sorry. You can, you can watch that, but, and the Avengers. And nah, not Star Wars anymore. But anyway, I'm rambling because I'm in pain all the time and I just had surgery. But um, but I, I am so encouraged by by just a few people that have emerged and said, hey, I want to help you. You're like this nobody and I really want to help you. And that keeps me going because if they're willing to help some weirdo like me, they're going to help the other people that I've been doing this, this activism and organizing around. We need to get our pain meds back. There are, what, three to seven veterans killing themselves every day because their pain is not being treated. These are American veterans. They put their lives on the line, you know, regardless of what you think about war and don't even just, these are people, they have families and we need to help them. We need to do better by them. And that's what keeps me going. And that's what makes me cry. <laughs> it's not my own story. It's, it's listening to the stories that I hope to share with all of you. And I hope that, um, that this goes viral and we can all take care of each other and start to learn how to build a functioning society again. How's that sound? Sounds great, right? Please take a moment to support Jeanette Wallace, who is broadcasting for Intuitive Public Radio from her channel, which you can find and subscribe to. There is a link included at the following address t.me slash notes on refuge slash 4053. We have web pages in the works, so if you're having any trouble with the Telegram links, which some people do, you can also email us for help and we will get information to you very directly. Email helpline at intuitive.pub. You can also email me alone privately. My email is max at intuitive.pub. Please also, if you have a few dollars, you can support Jen's work by dropping a few dollars in paypal.me slash jendubya, J-E-N-D-U-B-Y-A. And you can also visit her at patreon.com slash Jeanette Wallace, J-E-A-N-E-T-T-E-W-A-L-L-I-S. That's Jeanette. Thank you so much for listening. I'm not entirely sure what all is going to make it into today's episode, which is still being compiled. But I want to mention we are in uh, Intuitive Emergent in, in Telegram Messenger 
broadcast channel t.me slash intuitive emergent slash 979 is the message previous to this one. Jim Flannery has gone to the, uh, the, the this, this major meeting of the American Psychiatric Association uh, with, I believe, I hope the correct address is protestapa.com or .org. I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post it down here. Um, in any case, they, they use the hashtag, hashtag protestapa, and he has brought a tablet to play videos with, with um, over-the-ear headphones for people at this psychiatry conference to listen to and to watch, to watch these individuals that have made videos describing their experiences. And so in this video that I will, uh, I'll put a link here to the YouTube video, which is entitled Psychiatrists React live at the 2019 annual meeting of the APA, the American Psychiatric Association. So there's a picture in picture and there's a smaller picture in the bottom of the screen um, on the bottom right hand of the person who's describing their experience in the mental health system. And the larger picture behind it is the person at the conference who has the, these, these large white earphones on their head and they're watching the tablet that Jim is carrying around. And I was just stunned. I'm at, um, I'm at minute 11, having just finished watching the story of a woman who, who as of that recording uh, is homeless and is planning to commit suicide when her money runs out and cannot find help anywhere because the help she's supposed to be able to get is traumatizing and it does not represent help. It only harms her and, and terribly so and has not been accountable for doing so. And I, I, I have some compassion for, for the woman watching the video who's, who's in the middle of a conference, who, who has many hardships herself, who has to follow certain rules of her education in order to succeed in the ways she needs. She is taking care of a family, perhaps, she she has a life that she's trying to maintain so that she can be safe but whatever has led her to this place this woman who who she she looks like a professional woman she she has some she has some interest in in a in in the annual meeting of the APA um, whether she is a psychiatrist or or a person with another uh, related profession and what she says in response to this woman's described experience is that it, it's a that, that the problem is caused when a person can't 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 develop a trusting relationship with a mental health professional with no with no recognition it seems that if the mental health professional does not behave in trustworthy ways and does not support uh, uh, systems to be helping people rather than harming them. How, how, how do we then make that the problem of, of the suffering person who doesn't trust the person with more power? It's not a problem of the suffering person. The person with more power needs to behave in trustworthy ways, needs to support trustworthy ideas. And that is not happening in the mental health system to a massive extent that, that is occluded by, by the raising up of the stories of people who do get benefit in the mental health system. And there are a lot of people who feel very helped by the mental health system. And we don't want that success at the cost of so many others. And I, I am so stunned and sad to see that the only response that, that that professional woman could give was that it's too bad that the, the suffering person is, is broken in a way that, that, that doesn't allow them to, to build a trusting relationship with a healthcare professional.
where are the mental health and any health care professionals? Where are the professionals across the board that would listen to someone saying, I've been harmed, rather than saying, oh, there must be something wrong with them. Thank you so much to Jim Flannery for that project, which I hope I've made good words about, and I'm, I'm going to see if I can find more better words that he has published on, on this subject. Uh, I don't, I don't know, well, I don't know what that will be, but I'm, I'm looking forward to absorbing it whenever it happens for me. I'm only halfway through the video. I'll add the link below. The updated hashtag is protestAPA2019. There is also a hashtag for last year, protestAPA2018. I'm going to try to get these added to the episode today. They can go. They can go on the end, even if I don't. If I don't figure out where else they go, it gets um, it gets sticky in my brain, trying to grab onto what are these these pieces that I already have in a certain order, and like, can I still access the neural pathways, so that I can take another snapshot of where I'm at and work on it some more, or do I need to wait until it rests long enough? and wakes back up, and then, ah, there it is again, and I can work on it. But sometimes, sometimes I can kind of divert this energy here and go over here and do this differently, and then I'm able to finish that ordering of segments, and then that's the whole podcast, and we can just add things to the tail end of it. Whew. The only The only way that it has been possible for us to develop this process is because we chose to listen to and believe one another where everyone else in our lives or nearly had chosen to stop listening to us and didn't believe that we were accurately describing our real experience. And when we have come together and chosen to believe one another and chosen to really listen and hear one another to fully absorb communications from one another, non-verbal and non-auditory included, then we are able to work together every day. We don't have to be screaming chaotic messes of broken human beings. That isn't even a thing. That's something that environments cause and then go into denial about, I think. So we are engaging with one another cooperatively and successfully producing media advocacy and coordinating community support, co coordinating crisis aid and environments that, 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 that really do support creativity, that support healing and are always seeking to identify, is there any way that we are harming people who can't communicate with us about it? And if, if, if we see any inkling of that, then we change it and we make sure that that never happens. I would love, I would love for this approach to be embraced by more mainstream psychiatry. These are, very legitimate, very real reasons that it is difficult for many people to trust the mental health system because they don't prioritize fully receiving our communications. They don't prioritize making absolutely sure that they are not hurting us and taking up away our ability to communicate with them about the harm we're experiencing. There are lots and lots of little verbal mechanisms, little, I mean, legal mechanisms and verbal mechanisms and, and, and ideological mechanisms in conversation, people, uh, people, people with psychiatric languaging, they don't realize that some of the combinations of words they use with patients or anybody 
work to stop many of these crucial conversations that are not are not being had that 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 then um, someone like Jim, thank goodness, takes these stories directly to the place where they need to be witnessed. And and so as a result, there are some people witnessing them. And that is um, that that is catharsis to watch this video and see some of those messages getting through and actually get the, the responses from professionals watching these videos, which that, that is a, a lot of mixed feelings, a lot of very vivid emotions. And vivid emotions is not a bad thing. I, I guess it depends on who you ask. I am so glad that we have better platforms now to talk about what we're all experiencing. Not only people who, who we might call severe experiencers, but also the experiences of psychiatrists. Psychiatrists as professionals, uh, even if they are successful in, in successful in capitalist environments, um, the, the whatever we, we call the, the mainstream definition of success, in order to get to where they are, wherever they are, they have come through so many invisible challenges. They have come through things that have traumatized them. And I think that many of those professionals don't realize that trauma is so very different for different people. And that what they have experienced in order to to climb a success ladder where they are making enough money to care for their families and 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 secure some some sense of safety in society that is not at all the same as the trauma experienced by many of the people that they seek to help and if they are missing that they are not really fully listening to the people they're trying to help, I, I, it isn't that much of a surprise, I hope, that, that there are communications not getting through and there, there is information that must, must be exchanged more accurately than it has been. And professionals with good hearts can go a long time without recognizing this because they have to move through terrible stresses every day to keep doing what they're doing. Somehow the signal is getting through to more and more professionals whose hearts are, are, are desirous of community-oriented solutions. They want people to be safe they don't know necessarily what to do when confronted with this stuff in every case. But some of them are hearing us. Some of them are, are witnessing what's happening. Some of them are changing the way they practice as a result. I look forward to more positive and people healing changes going forward. I'm still going to watch the second half of this video. I've added the link directly to the link for, for this today's episode, which is t.me slash intuitive emergent slash 979. And as soon as I get that published, it will be there with the links also and probably all of this as well. Thank you for listening. Wow, you know what? I can stick with intuitive emergent for a few minutes because this is the same thing we were talking about earlier. So LGBTQ people, queer and trans people, and psychiatry, autistic people, and psychiatry, people with myalgic encephalomyelitis, people with chronic Lyme, 
people with mold poisoning and genetic dysregulation of their body's ability to detoxify and psychiatry. We have themes. I want less of a theme of forcing something we're calling healing that is actually harming. I want more of a theme of listening. Oh, it's meditation time. ZPC.
hello little mosquito.